Hello and welcome back to the fifth episode of Langlater's Asia Bite-Size Antitrust Podcast. I'm Jackie Lau, and I'm joined today by my colleagues Adrian Fisher, who is a partner in our TMT team in Singapore, and Marcus Pollard, who has our antitrust practice here in Hong Kong. In this episode, we are zooming into issues in the tech sector and going to explore the impact of digitalization and the interaction between competition law and emerging regulatory winds relating to data. Adrian, let's kick off on the topic of data protection, shall we? Why are we talking about this in an antitrust podcast? Sure, Jackie, and thanks very much for having me on today. Um, it's, it's a very fair question you've raised about how our two worlds, data privacy and antitrust, collide. Um, I, I think before we examine that, maybe it's worth just quickly reminding our listeners of what's been happening recently in the APAC region and, and more widely um, when it comes to, to data protection. So firstly, I, th I think everyone knows, I mean, it's been very clear over this past 18 months as we've all dealt with COVID, um, that digitalization has changed the way companies are interacting with, um, with customers and, and consumers. Data is at the center of, of, of a lot of those activities and has become a really valuable asset that can be used for business, um, but also potentially abused. It's quickly become a hot topic for regulators and for boardrooms around the world um, and, and compliance efforts of organizations. Um, GDPR in, in Europe is, is, is a great example. Um, when it came into effect, it was a radical shift in how personal data has been protected and it's had wide impact on businesses, not just in Europe, but also here in the region. Closer to home and where I'm sitting here in Singapore, the, um, the Personal Data Protection Commission, the, the PDPC, has recently gone through a, a major revision of, of our personal data law, the PDPA, um, and it's already clear that the, regula that, that, that the regulator intends to enforce this rigorously. We've seen a lot of enforcement action coming out of the PDPC in Singapore, and um, kind of over the last couple of years, some really significant fines, including the Sing Health breach, where, where fines up, up, to, up to a million Sing were, were, um, were levied. Um, on companies for failing to protect personal data. Um, and, and that was following kind of leaks of medical reports that, that impacted quite a large number of people um, following a cyber attack. So what about elsewhere in Asia? We, we've seen a huge growth in um, policymaking in, 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 in data privacy around Asia and um, Asian regulators around the region are quickly catching up in their legislative efforts. A couple of really important and notable examples. Firstly, in China, the, um, the PIPL, the Personal Information Protection Law, has gotten a lot of attention. Um, it's going to come into, in, in, into effect on the 1st of November 2021, um, and it's a, a radical rewriting of standards in China. It's the first kind of omnibus privacy law, um, and it'll be very interesting to see how regulators start to enforce that law later this year. In other jurisdictions, we're seeing new laws in places like Thailand, which has had a, a, a a law that's passed and is just waiting to come into effect. And India also has had a data protection bill um, going through parliamentary consultation for quite some time. Both of those laws are very closely modeled on the GDPR example. So we understand data is front and center of the new economy and privacy regulators are ramping up enforcement. But Marcus, what has this got to do with antitrust? Well, I think Adrian actually has set the scene quite well to, to reflect that the data really is a uh, is becoming a, a key parameter of, of competition in a number of markets. So whether you look at e-commerce, social media, or, or other types of platforms, 
um, they have made it a lot easier for businesses to collect huge amounts of data on their users uh, and in particular on consumer uh, behavior. So against that background, the question is really for, for those companies that are or those businesses that are collecting data, uh, does it allow them uh, to have some form of competitive edge? Um, and at, at the extreme, uh, data or, or information on consumers' uh, behavior um, could be considered a source of market power uh, and that a dominant player with that kind of information could potentially abuse it. And I think that's, that's really where the touch point comes in. It's that use or abuse of, of data. And, and Marcus, I know in, in Europe, antitrust regulators have been focused on this, this use, abuse of, of data. What have regulators here in the region in, in APAC been saying about this? Yeah, that, that's right. And authorities here have actually been, um, in the past year, 18 months, have been very quickly revising their policy guidelines um, to uh, make explicit reference to the use of data. And I'll um, give you a couple of examples. Uh, in Japan, the JFTC... Uh, has published a report earlier this year in June, which focused uh, on digital markets. Um, and it, it said for the first time that digital platform operators uh, could be monopolizing the market and excluding competitors through the use of data. Um, so that's the first time we see that in, a, in an Asian developed economy. Uh, secondly, uh, in Singapore, uh, uh, following quite a lengthy market study, uh, the triple CS um, uh, has decided to propose amendments to its guidelines in a similar way to what Japan was doing to actually include data as an example of a key input uh, in, in some markets and uh, when assessing market power or dominance of a particular company. But as you alluded to, Adrian, it's really in Europe that we're seeing those theories uh, being developed into enforcement cases. So in Germany, the regulator, the Bundeskartalamt, has actually sought to impose fines on Facebook for the way that it collected uh, and then used its data across a number of its, its platforms. Um, but frankly, nothing is radical yet here in Asia, um, but clearly it's an area of interest for, for enforcement. Yeah, and, and, and I guess, Marcus, that um, you know, privacy and antitrust regulators are, are working in different worlds, but, but given what you've said, they do kind of end up pursuing similar objectives. Privacy regulators in Asia are not so well known for significant fines, uh, unlike, unlike in Europe. The fines in, in, in a lot of places in Asia tend to be fairly low for, 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 for privacy breaches. Um, so maybe it's, it's a threat of antitrust issues that might be more credible deterrent for some businesses. Absolutely. I think in our previous podcast, we once mentioned a term called self-preferencing, which is a prevalent allegation of harm in recent EU cases concerning the tech sector. Marcus, um, would you mind explaining a little bit more on this time with our listeners? What does it actually mean? Yeah, sure, Jackie. So self-preferencing basically means uh, when a company is giving preferential treatment to its own products or services by leveraging its own power in one market to strengthen its position in another market. Now, that type of conduct has been identified as potentially anti-competitive by a number of competition agencies uh, outside of Asia. Um, and those cases are mainly in relation to digital platforms and the tech sector. So self-preferencing currently seems to be an abusive behavior uh, in, in the tech sector in particular. 
And, and, and Marcus, it seems that self-referencing is quite new. How does the Singapore regulator, for example, address this? Yeah, it, it is actually quite a novel concept, um, even in Europe. So um, here in Asia, we haven't seen uh, very much enforcement or, or, no, or noise of investigations uh, in this space. Um, in Singapore, we obviously the regulator, CCCS, is a very well-connected agency. Uh, and if, if it could, it would likely follow the global trend if there was the right case uh, that, that came before it. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, in relation to the market study, which uh, was focusing on e-commerce issues, um, that market study did actually identify self-preferencing and access to data as particular topics um, and has identified that um, those areas need further guidance. Uh, and we, we await to see what guidance uh, the local regulator uh, will give. But what that, how that guidance or policy actually makes its way into enforcement or investigations, I think is still a, a, a relatively open question. I see. So speaking of the e-commerce market study, given how quickly the tax sector can change, I mean, the regulator is chasing the shadows a little bit, isn't it? It seems they're still trying to understand what exactly the companies are doing and whether their behavior is a problem. Yeah, that, that's right. And really what antitrust regulators are trying to grapple with is... Uh, what is driving some very common practices in the sector? Um, are some behaviors, types of behavior inherently bad? Um, or is there a, a solid rationale behind them? Yeah, e exactly, Marcus. And, and I have to say, when, when we're advising those types of clients, you know, it's important for us to also understand the commercial drivers. Um, if we take exclusivity as an example, um, as, as far as I know, Singapore generally adopts a, a liberal view of exclusive arrangements, um, and they're very common and a normal part and parcel of commercial deals, you know, particularly as we do more collaboration arrangements between you know, incumbent institutions and, 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 and tech startups and tech companies. Exclusivity is, is often a really important part of those, those, those arrangements and transactions. Um, and, and there are often good reasons for exclusivity and, and limiting some choice. Um, mainly relating to protecting investments and developing an ecosystem of its own. Um, but the, the Singapore regulator, I know, has raised some red flags in this area, particularly when consumers are being limited in their choice. Um, for example, when Uber and Grab merged a few years ago, if I remember correctly, the, the, um, the, the Singapore Competition Authority looked into driver exclusivity issues and, and forced Grab um, to ensure its drivers remained available for competing platforms. Yeah, that's right, Adrian. Um, Singapore generally views most vertical agreements uh, to be positive and have a net pro-competitive effect. Um, in fact, they would go as far as to say that uh, vertical agreements, distribution agreements uh, can bring about certain benefits and efficiencies. Uh, and some of those that you've mentioned already, but other ones would be brand protection, encouraging uh, investments, and a avoiding free riders uh, in the market. Now, recently there was a virtual kitchens case in Singapore. Um, online delivery providers were investigated by the local regulator for refusing to supply delivery services to operators that were using competitors' virtual kitchens. Now, in the end, the CCCS, Singapore regulator, concluded that those type of agreements did not harm competition as there was actually very aggressive competition in the market. And actually those agreements may even have some kind of 
pro-competitive effects. And really, that, that is the tightrope that the tech sector is walking. It's good to keep the market competitive, but market players also need to be incentivized to invest and remain innovative. Yeah, Adrian, I think that's a, a very neat way of, of, of summarizing that. And I think we could talk about this topic forever, but uh, and, and where exactly do you balance those particular interests? But uh, I think we're running out of time for today. Um, now, uh, Adrian and I and the team are always happy to discuss further. If you do have any questions in relation to antitrust or technology across Asia, so please do feel free to reach out to us. In our next episode, we'll be covering some of the highlights of Indonesian competition law with our colleagues in Jakarta. So stay tuned and thanks for listening. Goodbye.